Greetings, friends. My name is Weston Nakamura from Blockworks Macro in Tokyo. It's Wednesday, June 7th, 2023 at Asian Markets Close, and welcome to the Market Depth Podcast, bringing you global market commentary and analysis from the Asia-Pacific trading session so that you know what happened overnight. Japan equity markets finally crash and take E-minis down with it during the Asia session, and on three sell catalysts from the day, Number one, the Turkish lira making a stunning minus 7% intraday plunge to new record lows. Number two, China trade data showing far weaker than expected export figures in contraction for the month of May. And then number three, discussions of the selling of Bank of Japan's 37 trillion yen in equity ETF holdings between the top brass from the Bank of Japan and the Ministry of Finance and elected officials happening in Parliament earlier today. Now, with that said, the actual market activity of the selling itself had occurred in two waves um, on two of the three aforementioned catalysts. One uh, was one of the waves of selling happened in the AM session and another one in the PM session. Okay. And the sharp drops in Japan indices during the cash hours had also pulled SPX E-minis directly down alongside with it during uh, Asia trading hours. Okay, so let's go through each one of these today um, because each of them are very important, not just to Japan, but to global macro markets, particularly equities. So let me first just address the one negative catalyst that had relatively little, if any, actual, you know, impact in and of itself, and that's the China trade data. So China trade data came out today. And the highlight here is, are the export figures. Okay, Exports plunged deep into contraction for the first time in three months, down 7.5% year over year. That is well below expectations that were, you know, consensus was for a slight contraction. Um, and also a sharp reversal from the positive 8.5 previous reading last month. So we saw declines in orders for mobile phones and for clothing. Okay, Those are the biggest contributors to the year over year declines in exports. China's exports had also dropped to nearly all of its major trading partners, the U.S., the EU, Japan, Southeast Asia. Meanwhile, exports to Russia had once again surged. So they're up 115% year over year, mainly driven by energy. Um, this is a continuation of last reading as well. Okay, so what does this worse than expected you know, uh, export contraction reflect? Well, it's just very straightforward. Just general weak global demand picture, okay? Um, I also read this earlier note from Julian Evans Pritchard, who is the head of economics at um, or China economics at Capital, um, who said that, quote, this trade data points to subdued global demand for Chinese goods and supports our view that the robust export figures of the previous couple of months reflected distortions in the customs data rather than a turnaround in foreign demand. OK, interesting. But either way, yet another piece of weak data out of China. Shocking, okay? And look, I don't mean to sound sarcastic, but it really isn't shocking. And so therefore, the China trade data release didn't move markets to the downside or to the upside for that matter, okay? Because at this point, generally speaking, negative data readings out of China aren't going to really impact financial markets to the downside themselves upon release, as I've been saying over and over again, right? Markets outside of China have been completely ignoring China macro data, and then markets within China have been pricing in weak macro data as it is. Okay, now, can 
China, you know, market impact, uh, or, or can that market impact dynamic, can that change at some point? Yes, of course it can. Did that change occur for today's release? No, it did not. Okay. Um, you can see in this chart and that 12 noon Japan time China trade data release. And basically there's no market impact on index futures. This is Nikkei, Nikkei 225 index futures. Okay. So here is what did kill Japan equities today and E-minis today during Asia trading hours. Now, as I said, two, we two waves of selling, um, in the AM session right before 10 AM and in the PM session right before 2, 2 PM. And those two catalysts would be one is the Turkish Lira meltdown. And then the discussions in parliament about the bank of Japan's ETF holdings respectively. Okay. So let's just go chronologically first. I do. I just do want to mention that I do have an entire like special episode of Market Depth devoted to the Turkish lira and its impact on global markets, um, including Bitcoin and gold, as well as DM equities. In a previous episode of Market Depth from May sixteenth, I believe, um, and it's called "Why Turkish Elections and the Lira Matter to Global Mar Macro Markets." And I'll leave the link to that episode in the description. And I strongly suggest you watch it if you haven't seen it yet. Um, because many of those concepts that I discuss are now currently happening in real time presently today as I, in markets, okay, as I will show you. And so it very much matters right now because the Lira is in meltdown mode right now. All right. So this is dollar Lira USD TRY. Okay. So when that is going up, that's the Lira getting weaker against the dollar. And as you can see, the Turkish Lira has been in slow meltdown for the past, say, year and a half or so, right? Dollar Lira, USDTRY, is slowly melting upwards um, from, you know, 18 to 19, then to 20 over the course of many, 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 many months, okay? And it would be far higher, far earlier, if not for the Turkish Central Bank's very heavy hand in FX market um, interventions to support the Lira. By various means, not just by no, not just only by directly stepping in to sell dollars and buy lira in markets. Okay, then we had the recent Turkish elections in May, which resulted in a subsequent runoff election at the end of May, in which President Erdogan wins re-election, and after that, the lira really starts to crater, with dollar uh, dollar lira breaking into the twenty handle, then twenty one shortly thereafter, and well today at FX market open in early Asia trading hours and during the Asia trading day, the Lira plunged down 7%, okay? Or another way to say a dollar Lira surged by 7% now into the 23 handle. Now look, a 7% move in a currency for a single day is massive, even for the Lira, albeit the Lira has seen double digit intraday moves before and will again perhaps might even today um today today might end up being such a day okay and a seven percent plunge is especially bad for those who are long the lira okay which are first and foremost the turkish citizens of course though much of them and their money has long fled the lira but still obviously they have natural exposure to their own home currency but as i talk about in the aforementioned episode about the lira who else is long the lira Japan retails long the lira, okay? Outside of Turkey and like corporates and, uh, you know, commercial exchange uses and all that and in institutions, in the world of like financial market speculators, Japan retail is probably the most active force in the lira at the moment, given how difficult the central bank has made it to sell lira at the institutional level as of late. 
but Japan retail is levered long T-R-Y-J-P-Y, the lira yen cross, has levered long the lira. Ha Japan retail has been long the lira for years, really, okay? And by levered long, I mean Japan retail is one-sided, crowded long the lira as it is, all right? So take a look at this. This is data from Gaitana.com. It's just retail FX trading platform. And what this shows is Japan retail net positioning, okay? For And they have this for various FX pairs that, you know, Japan retail trades. And I'm first just going to show you just plain old dollar-yen positioning just for context of this particular chart or this, you know, measurement or this graphic, okay? Now, the red is long positioning, the blue is short positioning. And so you can see, although it might skew a bit one way here or there, by and large, Japan retail is pretty much kind of split between longs and shorts when it comes to dollar-yen. This is what normal markets would look like. And this applies to basically most, if not all, major FX pairs that are traded in Japan. Okay, There's both buys and sells that are positioned. Now, with that said, let's take a look at positioning on TRYJPY, Lira-Yen. And as you can see for the Lira-Yen... There's basically only red bars visible, only buys, only longs, okay? Now, if you squint really hard, you can kind of see a tiny hint of blue that pokes out at the bottom of TRYJPY, like, net cells there. But this, my friends, is what I mean by one-sided positioning. Japan retail is long the lira, short the yen on leverage. And by the way, like I said, it has been this way for years and years. This is how positioning always looks, okay? But this is why I wanted to show you this dollar-yen positioning chart just for context and comparison because if I just showed you that lira-yen positioning graphic and it's the first time you saw it, it just might not make any sense visually, right? And so when the lira has a minus 7% day, that is very bad for Japan retail FX traders who are one-sided levered long the lira. There will be massive margin calls to pony up liquidity to brokers and to exchanges and whatnot on moves like this, on much smaller moves, let alone moves like this, okay? And here's the thing. The reason that Japan Retail matters is because they are the ones that also cross-hold other positions in other markets, such as equities, single stocks, or index futures, or index ETFs, or fixed income, or crypto, or whatever, anything and everything. They cross-hold them. And so, therefore, Japan Retail is the glue that connects the Turkish Lira's price action, especially to the downside, to other markets, okay? Because when margin calls come, these traders may have to sell other assets in order in, in other markets in order to come up with the, these, like, maintenance margins. Um, and that's exactly what happened today. So, this is, again, from GuyTimon.com. Um, and what this shows is the actual trading activity by the hour, buys and sells. And not just buys and sells, but buys and sells that have been split into position closing buys and sells and then position opening buys and sells on the left side and right side, respectively. Okay, And that makes a huge difference between the two. Okay, Because if you're buying to open a position, that is going long and from here as opposed to buying to close a position, that is a short position exit. Okay, so even though it's the same buying activity, they're completely opposite. And as you can see here, 
like uh, for today, there's basically just one way sell to close activity happening on TRY, JPY, say from 6 a.m. onwards. Um, now, it's actually kind of difficult to show a chart, like to be able to chart out um, where spot lira actually is because so much of, of it is executed OTC in just very disparate market feeds and prices and, on, and different price quotes um, for for the lira across different brokerages and, and the like around the world, right? It's your classic EM currency that has different prices depending on where you go. So it's not that these this you know particular price uh, it's action itself on you know that I've charted out here in purple it's not that these aren't real prices um on this like trading view chart it's just that they're different prices depending on which price feed and platform you're going off of okay it also depends on the time of day okay because in the asia am session that's going to be the least liquid and active for you know lira price quotes from non-Japanese platforms for this otherwise relatively obscure currency pair. Um, and, but then towards the end of like the Japan trading day, if you will, that overlaps with the Europe open and then therefore activity and pricing accuracy of the Lira kind of picks up in, in terms of you know what's displayed in, in charts. And so you can see that happening in this chart um, of this you know dollar Lira chart that's dollar lira inverse, by the way, and compared against you know Nikkei mini futures, okay. Um, and I'm using Nikkei mini futures, by the way, just so as to try and better reflect Japan retail activity as it relates to the futures trading volume and volume profile. But you can see that these two begin to really correlate in price action towards the end of the Japan cash session or around the Europe uh, European open overlap time frame, okay. Um, but you can see right here, around 10 a.m., Japan equities sell off on volume. This is sell off number one of two for the day. But that doesn't really show up in this particular Lira chart overlaid in purple that I'm using, right? But if you go back to this chart of what Japan retail is actually printing in trading activity on TRY, JPY, now what you can see is that approximately 10 a.m., there's this sharp candlestick move down in TRY JPY, which not only triggered further downside from there forward, but also triggered a snowball of cross assets selling. That's margin call time, okay? Especially for those who try to maybe even go long the Lira just earlier that day, this very day, into like, you know, the market on open sell off. Um, but that kind of 10 a.m., that arrow right there, that's the moment that new lows for the day had been broken or new lows period, new all-time lows, um, but also like lows for the day. So anyone who ever went long the, you know, Lira Yen cross would be losing money at that moment. Also, here's a chart of 1357, Japan ticker 1357, um, the Nikkei double inverse ETF. Okay, this is a popular and heavily traded ETF I guess amongst cons contrarians, obviously, given Nikkei's enormous rally um, but that they're betting against. And I've also overlaid a chart of Lira Yen on top of it. And I think that there's a good amount of overlap, you know, uh, for the Lira, the long Lira Yen, as well as the long double inverse Nikkei traders, the contrarians who have been getting slaughtered. 
Um, but you can see that, you know, the, this longer term price action, if not price direction, they look f fairly similar to one another. Um, but either way, that breakout or that breakdown rather in the lira at around 10 a.m. Japan time, that triggered the first wave of Japan risk asset selling um, in Nikkei futures. Note the volume jump accordingly in the volume profile. Um, as well as not just in Nikkei futures, but in Nikkei mini futures. Um, and when the world's foremost leading, you know, uh, index year to date suddenly and sharply sells off on volume midday, then, of course, you will get SPX e-minis to also follow suit, mostly due to systematic and algo flows, which, by the way, so if Japan retail is the glue that connects the lira with equities and equity, you know, index markets and, and all that, then the systematic flows are the glue that connects Japan markets with other GM market futures markets, such as SPX e-minis, okay? Like left unattended, right, as an absent other active flows, Nikkei futures and e-minis activities are basically joined at the hip at all hours of the trading day, be it Japan hours or US hours or whatever. Nikkei um, index futures are a global macro asset no different than SPX e-minis, okay? However, it's not really the case when it comes to topics futures and the topics index, the broader topics index, okay? Because note the downside price action that occurs at 10 a.m. in topics as well, of course. Okay, obviously that's going to happen. But there is an absence of topics trading volume in that 10 a.m. downside move. Now, I'm not saying that like there's no volume whatsoever at that 10 a.m. topic sell-off. If you actually look, you could actually see that there is some pickup in volume for that um, that down move at 10 a.m. in topics futures. But the only thing is that it's just that it's hard to see on this scale, given this massive topics futures led sell volume that came in later that day. Okay, so if I just took this chart like earlier, um, before that second wave of PM sell off happened, then the topics sell volume, you know, spike would be much more visible. All right, so with that said, let's now talk about what happened in round two of Japan equity selling today. Okay. Just before 2 p.m. Japan time, Bank of Japan Governor Ueda and Finance Minister Suzuki were in Parliament, and they were answering questions by the lower house of representatives, at which point they started discussing the matter of the Bank of Japan's 37 trillion yen worth of equity index ETFs that the Bank of Japan has acquired directly buying in the market during the corona years and has been sitting and you know holding on its balance sheet of the central bank balance sheet this for this whole time. And they started discussing what to do with them or what to do about them. And then began the you know like commentary between finance minister, minister Suzuki and a representative from the opposition party in which Suzuki told parliament that, quote, the government must look into whether it's permissible to buy the Bank of Japan's ETF holdings at book value for the purpose of securing sources of revenue. Okay, that's what he said to Parliament. Um, now, the reason that they were discussing this, just generally, the context of this this conversation was it was within a broader matter of like wealth redistribution to younger generations, given that the generational wealth divide in Japan is very massive, with those who are over 60 years old owning more than like 60% of financial assets. So the idea being that if you just give the younger generation who do not have money to acquire financial assets 
um, as they have prohibitively high uh, living expenses to deal with and all that. But if you give it to them, then the younger generation, they can now be the real-world owners of these equities that the BOJ has bought and has been sitting on the central bank balance sheet. And then you've solved like two problems at once, right? You've solved this matter of the central bank owning of publicly traded companies and, you know, that that problem. And then you have also, you know, kind of, I guess, redistributed wealth. And now the younger generation has financial assets um, and investments that they can own. Win-win, right? Now, look, I'm not going to comment on what my personal view is of this particular idea because it's irrelevant to what my purpose here is, which is to make sense of financial markets and activity objectively and not what I personally think should and shouldn't be done regarding sociopolitical and economic matters and whatnot. Bank of Japan Governor Ueda had also largely sidestepped the question you know, proposed about the specifics of this ETF unwind matter. Um, taking a stance of, like, it's too early to discuss. There you go, Ueda, learning to become a real, modern, you know, central banker. But, as you can see, minutes later, Finance Minister Suzuki, that's a different story altogether, okay? This guy is the worst when it comes to, like, public communication decorum from a, you know, from a position of being, like, an official with, like, power, right? Um, so... The reason that this discussion freaked out the equity markets is because, first of all, during this entire time that Japan equities have been on a one-way tear upwards this year, this whole matter of like the Bank Japan's ETF holdings has never even been a thought in anyone's minds. And so this had reintroduced this this thought, okay? And not in like a positive way, as in like reintroduced via BOJ buying more equity ETFs, but rather reintroduce the topic as BOJ unloading its equity holdings. And more specifically, even though they're just talking about like, you know, they're talking in almost theoreticals, obviously, right? Because it's not like this is now actual policy or whatever, but within this theoretical discussion of what to do, like with the Bank of Japan's equity holdings, for God knows what reason, they were also talking about at what price level that they would be offloading the $37 trillion in equity ETFs at. For which, again, Finance Minister Suzuki had said that the government would take the Bank of Japan stocks off its hands at book value. Okay? And here is the problem with that. Here is current book value for the topics index. It's 1.35x. In other words, stocks are currently trading at prices that are 35% above what the Bank of Japan would be selling their 37 trillion yen worth of stocks to the government at. And then for the Nikkei index, price to book is almost 2x. So the Bank of Japan would be offloading at, what, half the price of current market. And by the way, most of Japan, Bank of Japan's equity uh, index ETF holdings are those that are benchmarked off the topics index, which consists over, you know, more than 2,000 stocks in the index as opposed to the 225 stocks of the Nikkei index, though the BOJ does own Nikkei index ETFs too. And the Nikkei index constituents also are by and large part of the topics index, and they are large weightings within the topics index as well. A lot of overlap. Um, also, I must say for the record, Governor Ueda from the Bank of Japan at least he said that in principle, if and when the time comes to actually sell off their equity ETF holdings, 
that they would do so at market value. And by which market value, as in what we actually see in flashing in green and red blinking tickers on screen at the time, okay? And not on book value. But either way, again, why they had to go there in the first place, let alone use this like transaction pricing that's arbitrarily based off of book value, I, I don't know. But they did. And now it's out there. And now it's out there on public record and in parliament. And very understandably, that directly hit Japan equity markets. In fact, let's just simply pull up one of these ETFs that, that they're talking about, that they hold. Okay, this is 1306. Um, Japan ticker 1306, Next Funds Topics ETF by Nomura Asset Management. This, among many others, but this is one of, if not the most popular topics index ETFs. It's listed in Japan, has uh, just under 20 trillion yen in assets under management. It's kind of like the SPY of Japan, if you will. But this is the very instrument that's owned by the Bank of Japan, as well as many other, you know, real investors um, out there. And this is the one that's being discussed be to sell. Um, you know, a massive proportion of these shares outstanding at book value, okay? And hence, shortly before 2 p.m., you know, today, you see this sharp sell-off on huge volume that you can clearly see, okay? Average trading volume for this ETF is 1.8 million shares. Today's volume for this ETF was 5 million shares, okay? About 1 million of which went through at that moment, at that, like, kind of 2 p.m. moment. And then the ETF itself closed down minus 1.3% on the day. By the way, it's been up over well over 5% in the last five trading days or four trading days. The only other times that we saw this amount of trading volume of around 5 million shares or more in recent times in a single day was in one, it was in mid-March of 2023, okay, amidst the very beginnings of Silicon Valley bank imploding when bank shares globally tanked and the topics index is very heavily weighted with bank shares and then the other time was during the december bank of japan shock yield curve control band widening which again was a major global shock event and also a japan bank stocks event as well and thereby hitting the topics index um, in particular Okay, but today's trading volume was comparable only to those levels of financial market meteor strikings. Okay, and at least those were actual things that were happening which warranted such elevated trading activity and volume. Today, this was just some theoretical discussion in Parliament for which the BOJ governor himself said is a moot point. So in other words, should the day ever come in which actual action is taken... Um, or even announced in official capacity regarding the Bank of Japan's equity index ETF holdings, there will likely be carnage in markets, broad-based. That's why Topics Futures, in particular, really moved on volume for that second wave of selling today relative to the first wave, because the first one is more so interconnected with broader macro, but the second one being far more Japan equity-specific. Um, and that's why, going back to the Nikkei futures chart um, and volume, that's why Nikkei futures volume was comparatively uh, more for the AM session um, on the Lira triggered cross-asset selling versus the AM volume and the topics futures. But with that said, that is not to say by, like, by any means that the Nikkei futures selling volume for round two was absent. No, no, no. Nikkei futures sold off on greater volume than it did um, in the AM session. 
okay? And of course, it should be that way, right? Because the Bank of Japan governor, the finance minister from the administration, and the representative body of the parliament are discussing how and at what price level to unload Japan equity ETFs out of nowhere. And, as per my comment earlier on SPX E-mini's systematic flows, just following whatever major GM markets are doing during their respective regular trading hours outside of U.S. hours, we see sell-offs on more or less similar volume. Okay, so that's what happened today in Japan. Now, why am I going into detail about this price action, like such granular detail? It's not for the sake of like what already occurred sort of commentary, right? The reason I do this for you, the audience, is because this is what I do for myself, um, for which to understand market behavior going forward in the immediate term, right? If the lira had a 7% move today and, there, and thereby moved the Nikkei index and E-minis, then that's something in the immediate to be aware of because the lira just doesn't stabilize on its own after a move like that. Once it makes moves like this, it tends to things tend to get really crazy. And then more significant, what of the Bank of Japan's equity ETFs? Now, I personally don't think that there will be they will be kind of messed with by the Bank of Japan anytime soon. They might, but it doesn't really matter what I think. What matters is that notion is now out there. So, will that now dampen the Japan equity rally? I wouldn't be surprised if it does. End it, right? Um, nor would I be surprised if Marcus just carried on upwards and, you know, brushed it off. But we got a kind of tiny preview of what the market response would be on this topic, which is extremely rare, right? As everything else with the BOJ as of the last few years has just been focused around its JGB holdings and JGB buying and even the yen. Now the Bank of Japan has reintroduced global DM equity market risk overhanging. Okay? And that's why I'm bringing these up in detail. Um, oh, and also to once again dispel the broader story being touted out there currently in financial media, one of equity sold off because of China trade data. That is false. Okay? And that is attaching irrelevant narratives to market price action. And we do not do that here at Market Depth, as you have hopefully all realized by now. We live and die by what actually moves green and red blinking tickers and why they move the way they do and how to therefore apply what we've disseminated accordingly in the immediate term. All right, that's it for me. Thank you for watching Market Depth. If you enjoyed this, please like and subscribe as well as follow me on Twitter at Across the Spread. And on behalf of Blockworks Macro, my name is Wes Nakamura, and we will see you soon. Thanks.